right, we're reading from Matthew 5, 27 through 32. You have heard it, that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress, and anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. All right. Well, first thing before we dive in, I just want to mention that uh, you can look for our new sign this coming week. It's not up there today, but this coming uh, week they're supposed to get it in before the next rains come. So uh, we'll look forward to that, and we can celebrate that next Sunday. We're in a series uh, called Jesus Talks. It's kind of a spinoff of the theme of uh, TED Talks, if you're familiar with those at all. It's just people giving talks on different subjects and, and bringing forth ideas they believe are worth spreading. And, you know, 2,000 years ago, a child was born into this world, and we believe, as Christians, that this was the Son of God, that this was His very Word, the Gospel of John tells us, that this was the expression, the full expression and revelation of God and, and who He is and what He thinks and His truth. And Jesus himself said that he came um, to give voice to the truth. And sometimes when we think about Jesus, we think of him as Savior, but sometimes we don't think of him as teacher, as, they, as his disciples did. Sometimes we don't necessarily think of him in the category of wisest and smartest people with the best ideas ever. And, and yet, surely, he belongs not only in that category, but at the head of that category. And so we're looking at some of what Jesus had to teach and say on different really practical subjects as he talked about what this kingdom life that he came to bring looked like. And he said, first off, that this kingdom life is available to anyone, even to the people who look like they would not be the, the type, according to the world's opinions. Uh, he said that uh, people who walk into this life actually become salt and light to the earth. He said that he wasn't coming to bring a new kind of legalism, but to fulfill that old covenant and to bring something brand new. He said that if you really want to do better, instead of trying to make yourself behave, you should become the kind of person who does those things. He, he used a metaphor of a tree. And we've used that before, right? That if you want a tree to bear good fruit, you don't just yell at it to bear good fruit. You fix the roots, right? And then when you fix the roots, you have a healthy tree, and a healthy tree produces healthy fruit. And so it is in our lives, as, and as we go through this series, it's so important that we remember this. As we talk about really practical day-to-day -day stuff, and, and the things that we deal with, uh, and moral issues, and things like that, it's important to recognize what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. And he's trying to move from a legalistic mindset to a heart mindset. Jesus isn't coming just to bring a new moral law or a new set of moral commands that are stricter or more difficult to achieve. He's trying to teach a new way to be human. So we believe that there is a better way 
and that you can, in fact, live it. There is a better way, and you can live it. Today we're on the subject of desire, or more specifically, fantasized desire, and specifically in the context of relationships and of sexual desire. But as we talk about this subject today, if you're in a season of your life where that is a non-issue, perhaps you would want to think through the lens of other kinds of desires that you may struggle with in your life. Lust is a term that typically we use with uh, sexual desire in that context. But lust can be for a lot of different things. An unhealthy desire for food, for money, for power, for you name it, uh, is still something that can corrupt your soul and it would be worth uh, thinking about and talking and thinking through in your heart and spirit as we work through this subject today. I knew uh, I, had a, I had a friend that uh, he was a, a good friend of ours. Uh, he, when he was in high school, uh, he met a pen pal online of sorts. I don't know what you call it online, really, but you know, the equivalent. And she lived in Canada, and they struck up a friendship online. Well, a couple years later, he met his wife and got married to her, and they moved to uh, moved off together to go to college, to put him through ministry college. So she worked to help put him through uh, ministry, and then he worked to help put her through uh, a program where she became a, a speech uh, pathologist and, and so they were this powerhouse couple when we met them, uh, leaders in the church. He went on to pastor a church and when that didn't work out he went into law enforcement and still very involved in the local church. And, but all through that whole season uh, he never gave up that friendship with that girl in Canada. And he said, well I'm, I should be able to have friends. I should be able to have friends that are girls. It shouldn't be any of your business to his wife. And so over time, uh, lo and behold, that girl in Canada, her marriage kind of fell on hard times. And so did theirs. And the timing was right and the circumstances were right. And before we knew it, their relationship had fallen utterly and completely apart. And now he lives in Canada and is married to that woman. <laughs> And it's one of those stories where uh, you wake up one day and, wow, everything hit the fan, so to speak. And, and where did this come from? And it hits you out of left field. But the thing is, nothing that hits the fan and seems like a sudden disaster. No, it all has a backstory, right? There's little things that led to that. In fact, even when... Great people do great things. Uh, the truth is they were doing a lot of little great things that led to that, that you didn't see, that were behind the scenes. We're going to talk today about what happens when we don't fight back against lust in our life, against fantasized desire, when we instead feed that and it grows in us, what ends up happening? Where does that go? Jesus, in these talks that he gave, that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, he would say 
oftentimes a, a command or a law or a saying that they were familiar with and that they embraced as part of their moral tradition in the Jewish culture of his day. And then he would say, but I tell you this. And he would give something that when you first read it, and especially through our religious mindset, we hear him saying, okay, you thought the bar was set here, but actually I'm telling you it's set up here. And, and you feel like defeated just listening to it. So again, I just encourage you as we work through this, please understand the foundation of what Jesus came to do and what he came to say. Not to give a new and harder law, but instead to offer a new and better way of being, of thinking, of feeling. When we know the truth, the truth can set us free. And so he said, look, you've heard it said that you shouldn't commit adultery. Again, like last week when we talked about murder, this was, I mean, every Jewish person grew up knowing the commandments. Sure, sure Jesus, absolutely, and we all follow that. But then he says, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully. I can almost see him looking at these guys that he's talking to, these people who feel that they are self-righteous, that they've kept this command, do not commit adultery. And Jesus saying, well look at you, you're practically drooling over that woman right over there. Are you staying faithful to your wife right now? Are you really? In your mind, in your heart, are you faithful to your wife right now? Are you really fulfilling the law of God? Or are you just satisfying yourself that you've done just enough? Or looking at these guys, and this was often their custom. See, if you were a, if you were a, a young Jewish man in that culture, then your father and some girl's father would work out some sort of arrangement. And, and not to say that you wouldn't have any say in it, but they would help arrange something. And if you were fortunate, you would get this lovely, beautiful virgin bride. And you would be married. And, and over time, hopefully, your business or your whatever you did would progress. And perhaps your father would pass away and leave an inheritance and and leave a business, and suddenly you're a man with greater stature. You're a, a desirable man in that culture. You have stability. You have uh, maturity. And in the meantime, your wife has gotten 10 years older. And you begin to look around, as Jesus most likely caught them doing. And you begin to say, my goodness, these young women look a lot better than my woman. I'm kind of tired of that one anyway. And in their culture, they believe that you could set aside a woman for any reason. And so, they would set her aside legally, by the books. Now, they wouldn't ever cross the line, see, because they're a righteous man and upstanding. And so, you wouldn't want to just go sleeping around. But you could go through the process, set her aside, and then what father in his right mind wouldn't want his young daughter to marry such a prestigious and fine man as you. 
able to provide so well. Not only that, but you have the advantage of possibly having a lot more kids that way, and kids were wealth. And so, hey, why not upgrade to the latest smartphone? I mean, wife. It was all by the books. There was no, no adultery involved. You set aside your wife before you ever slept with that woman. It's all by the books. And Jesus seems to say, well, hang on a second. Are you telling me that you were faithful to your vows? Because you wanted someone different and so you did it by the letter of the law so it's okay? You fantasized a desire in your heart and then you chased that desire at someone else's expense. And now she's left with no way to provide, no provider. And who wants her? Spoiled goods. So she may very well be forced to commit adultery in that culture just to put food on the table. And you've committed adultery in your heart, haven't you? You really think that by following your technical rules that you have lived out the heart of God's law not to commit adultery? It's those little things. You know, sometimes, sometimes it feels like Jesus is being a little extreme. I mean, not even look at a woman that way, not even, I mean, you know, divorce, divorce happens for a whole bunch of reasons. Of course, Jesus is speaking to a specific context, but sometimes you can read through something like this and be like, man, Jesus, I mean, this isn't even Jerry Springer stuff you're talking about. This is just everyday stuff that people do. You know, guys, they look at women lustfully. They look at pornography. This happens in our culture, almost all of them. Divorce happens all the time. Marriages fall apart all the time. People, their desires change. Sometimes what they used to want isn't what they want now. This is just life, Jesus. Come on. But Jesus is not just setting up a new set of laws. He's not just trying to put you in a panic so that you're trying to Hang on, you know, am I, am I doing this right? Is this okay? This is not the point. The point is to address the way that you're thinking. To address what you believe at, at your root level is okay and is not. He's asking you to go to the heart level. To be transformed. Change the way that you think and feel. To think critically about, am I being faithful when I pursue these fantasized desires, whether in my mind or with my body? Am I living up to the vows that I made to my wife? Am I honoring God with my life in my heart, in my mind, as well as technically by the books?
Jesus doesn't seem to think that it's just the really big stuff that hits the fan that matters. That it's those little things along the way that lead to the large losses. It's the little lusts over time that lead to the large losses. It's what you do in your mind. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. If you look at anything, any big blow up that happens that's shocking, maybe it makes the news, unfaithfulness of massive scale, you know, shocking details in the latest online tabloid, right? Spreads all over Facebook. It didn't just wake up and happen one day. Something popped into their mind, such as what pops into all of our minds. And they fantasized about it. And they thought about it. And they thought about it some more. Then they may have acted on it in some small way that was technically okay. Little things. Little lusts. That eventually led to the story that you heard. This is true for all of us. When you take on the Spirit of Christ and the character of Christ and the mind of Christ, you'd be shocked at what you might be willing to do. You'd be shocked at the decisions you might make of your own accord. Not because some law says that you must, but because of what you're pursuing, of what matters to you. A person who is taking on the character and the mind of Christ might very well be willing to cancel a cable subscription or to trade in a smartphone rather than stay addicted to pornography. Jesus said, you know, you might cut off a hand or, or gouge out an eye. I told you last week that typically... Jesus often uses hyperbole to make a point. But even actually, if you took that quite literally, it would seem like wisdom. That there would be, you know, let's just say, this is a cliff. I think it would be better to cut off my arm than to jump off that cliff, personally. Better to gouge out my eye than to fall off that cliff. And Jesus seems to be saying there's more at stake here than you even dare to imagine. This isn't just a personal preference or a personal issue that only affects you as we so often think that it is because it starts in our minds. It starts in our thought life. It starts what we do in the privacy of our home, on our computer, on our iPad, on our screen, or with our magazine, or whatever or between two consenting adults. And so it doesn't affect anyone else, but it's a lie. And it affects you much more deeply than you would dare to imagine. Jesus says the stakes are high. Like hell sort of high. And again, he uses that imagery of the place just outside the gates of Jerusalem where they dumped the bodies of criminals and burned them. 
These were people who, according to their thought at the time, had no chance at a kingdom life. No chance in the resurrection. They were dumped out with criminals. They were cursed of God. Jesus uses that as his metaphor when he says that people who commit adultery, whether an act of adultery or in their minds or in a technically legal way but still adultery, that they are in danger of that experience being cut off from the kingdom of God. That there's no way that someone who just pursues their fantasized desires is going to inherit the kingdom life. I'm not even sure they would want it. And so, so it is that someone might choose to invest in counseling for their marriage long before it's too late. Or how you might say no to an offer from a very handsome man or a very attractive woman, even though it wasn't technically anything wrong with what they were offering, and yet what you're pursuing is too important to take the risk. What kind of questions do Christians tend to ask these days when we consider things on this topic of fantasized desire, of lust, of adultery? We tend to ask things like, how far is too far? Where should I draw the line, right? Maybe you would ask something related to, uh, is it okay to have a, a work wife, right? Is it okay for me and my boyfriend to live together before we're married? I mean, it's, I'm not even sure if people even in the church ask that anymore, but they used to. What if we're careful and we don't have kids or get pregnant or spread STDs, then we're not really doing anything that's affecting anything, right? What about pornography? I mean, isn't that completely normal and natural? What about modesty? Does it really matter what I wear? Isn't it their problem and not mine? Would it be extra holy if I never kissed anyone until I was married? These are questions that Christians tend to ask. And I submit to you that they're the wrong questions. It's funny to me how we tend to treat the life that Jesus has to offer as if it's like a future thing that maybe we'll engage in sometime. But in the meantime, we just want to know how far the other direction we can go without crossing into hell territory. <laughs> like, okay, Jesus, I get that your way is good. We'll do that in heaven. Um, but, you know, there's the world's way that I kind of 
only have a chance to get into right now. And so I want to know how far I can get over into that before I fall off the cliff. This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, we believe that Jesus was the wisest person to ever live. We believe that, that what he spoke was true. We believe that he came to offer life and life abundant. So he offers this better way of life. And we say, Jesus, how far away from that can I get without going too far? It doesn't make any sense. So all of those questions are the wrong question. Why would we want to know how close we can get to the wrong way? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So maybe we should try some sort of different question. And maybe this isn't the perfect question, but maybe it'll get you started in the right direction. Maybe you would want to say, given the blessed and fulfilled marriage that I someday want to be a part of, is this wise? Understanding the commitments that I've made and the people that I care about, would this be wise for me to do? Or to think about. Or if you really want to take the long view, you know, looking to the future generations and the legacy that I want to leave behind, would this be a good choice? You know, given who I'm representing and the way that I want to be viewed by the other people in my cultural context, would this be a good wardrobe choice? Am I, this is a good one, I think. I think I stole it from someone, I don't remember who. Am I becoming the kind of person that is the kind of person I would want to marry someday? Or if you're already married, are you becoming the kind of person that is the kind of person you would prefer to be married to? <laughs> You know, for our, our young people who hope to be married someday, what do you think the odds are of finding the kind of person that you would want to marry and them wanting to marry you when you're not that kind of person? And so we think through a lens of what would be wise, given what I want for my life, given what I want for the future lives and the generations to come, given what I want for the lives of those that I care about, would this be wise? And we keep the, the vision of what we're after at the forefront, and we bring our body and our mind into submission to what Christ has called us to, this better way of life. And that starts by keeping your eyes set on the prize. When we do that, we can force our thinking into the right direction. And we can begin by the Holy Spirit's power at work in us to bring our flesh into submission to what He says is best instead of what we feel is best. Again, it's the little lusts that lead to large losses, but likewise, it's the little loves that lead to large life. It's the little things. If you think about uh, you know, someone great who did something amazing. Uh, Abraham Lincoln or somebody that you really respect. 
You know, you might say, oh, look, he you know, won the Civil War and brought the Union together, or he uh, freed the slaves. Or... And that's what you know him for. But the truth is, there were a lot of little things that he did that you don't know anything about that make up the only reason he was able to do those things. And, for that matter, anyone famous that you know that you think did something great, uh, a lot of times the people that matter most give the true verdict on their lives. The, the people who are closest to them, right? Their family. And you might see someone who you think, wow, they do great things, but they leave their family in a wreck. And their family says, there's no way this was a good person. On the other hand, there are people who their family says, yes, they were a good person. And it's never because they had one great shining moment in their child's life or one great shining moment in their spouse's life, but it's because they lived a faithful lifetime. Little loves all along the way. And that led to life. And they passed on a legacy. So this can be true in a negative way or in a positive way. You know, people who go down in a blaze of glory, you know, it's rarely like they just woke up one morning, jumped on the back of a Harley, <laughs> and robbed a bank and you know, blasted flames down the highway. You know, it's not, it doesn't happen that way. We don't live our lives that way. Our lives are not made up of these big moments. The question is not, are you someday going to really blow it and it's going to come out that you did all this unfaithful stuff and all, you know, it's just going to be this disaster and everyone's going to be talking about it for like a year until someone else does something stupid they can talk about. Right? That's not what we're talking about. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He says, if you think that's adultery, huh, what about all the little things that led up to it? What about all the ways that you try to hide it or legalize it? The truth is, there's too much at stake. We like to tell ourselves that this is an issue that's just between us and, well, us. That what we think about and our desires are our desires. It's our thought life. It's no one else's business. Not only that, a lot of times we like to believe that our desires are God-given and should be chased and pursued if you want to be happy in life. It's the gospel of our world. But it's the opposite of what Jesus taught. Who is at stake? Their life's at stake. His wife or her husband Societies are at stake. Do you think 
that our society isn't affected by all this as a whole? Do you think that our next generations of kids are not affected? I think they are. I think you see it in the news all the time. Anytime that a society or a culture obsesses over something, fantasizes about it, pursues their desires without worry about the harm, it's not just individuals that are affected. In fact, Jesus says, your very soul is at stake. Your ability to know your Creator and being in a right relationship with your Creator and your ability to experience the life that He designed you to live is at stake. It's these little things over the course of a lifetime that tell the true story, that determine what you're really about, of who you really are. And there's a better way, and you can live it. It's possible. People change. People do radical things. Especially when they get locked in with Jesus and they start pursuing His better way by His power, by His strength. They make crazy choices that the world looks at and laughs at or worse, derides. If you watch the news, you'll find mainstream mockery of Christians who are trying to keep themselves faithful even in the midst of the fame and stuff that they're dealing with that brings down so many people and so many marriages and so they set up boundaries to try and protect their spouse and their mind and their life and the world mocks it derides it But when you recognize what is good and what is right and what is best for you and for others, you're willing to buck popular notions. People might think, you're crazy. Why don't you just move in with them? Look at all the money you'd save on rent. Why would you want to marry him if you don't even know? I mean, come on. You wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, would you? But if you recognize what's at stake, if you believe that if you don't battle lust, then you can't have a place in the kingdom life, like Jesus indicated and his apostles, then suddenly you don't care so much what people think. And frankly, you don't care that much what your flesh tells you it wants. Because there's something more important to you than what feels good in the moment.
And so you make the hard choices. You fight the battle. Do you want to be free? Jesus offers a better way. I believe you can live it. If this is something that you struggle with and you want to talk more practically about specific ways that you can get out of your specific situation or you can fight the battle that you're in, I'm always glad to talk that, that subject. It's a battle that I've fought and I will continue to be on guard for the rest of my life because I want to live in freedom and not enslaved to my passions and desires. If that's a battle that you want to fight too, I'd be glad to fight alongside you. Let's have that conversation. If you know someone else that you can talk to about it, talk to them. Do something. Take some sort of action this week if you find yourself in this situation where you know you need to do battle against this, that it's been getting the best of you probably for a long time. Take steps this week. Make changes this week. If it means you've got to go get a flip phone, go get a flip phone. It'd be worth it. Nowadays, a flip phone feels about like cutting your arm off, doesn't it? <laughs> For some of you. For others of you, you're like, I like my flip phone, thank you. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your better way. I thank you that Jesus expressly came not to condemn us, to make us feel miserable like we have no hope, but instead to offer a better way to speak truth into the lies. I pray that we would have hearts open to receiving this and hearing this, that we'd be willing to try life a different way, that we'd be willing to fight hard for what matters most. Lord, we confess our struggles with this in a world that doesn't even think it's a problem. So we need your help in a big way. Lord, I pray for each one sitting here, each individual, man, woman, teenager, who's struggling with their thought life, whether it's on this subject of sexual desire or whether it's on a different subject I pray for them that you'd speak into their lives now that they would know that they don't have to live this way that they can be free that freedom is found in you and by your spirit only help us to leave a legacy that looks a lot like Jesus that'll be salt and light in this world I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.